Welcome to Blake's Takes, for God's sakes. It's a weekly podcast where every Wednesday, I uh, let's just say I take a current event from four separate subjects, politics, sports, relationship, and leisure, and, uh, and I give my Blake's take on it. Now, many of you were probably thinking I wasn't going to do a podcast this week. Um, you, were pro- you probably thought I would never do a podcast ever again, and I understand that. I can see why you would think that. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I'm obviously referencing my, my tweet. I had a viral tweet this week, and viral doesn't even do it do it justice. How much how much uh, this is permeated into every slice of of the global culture. But I did have a t- uh, tweet this week that has taken the world by storm, and um, I don't need to do this podcast anymore. I don't need to really do anything anymore. You know what I mean? Like you see people, you see them win the lottery, you see them win like a hundred th- you know hundred million dollars or something. You're like, why would they ever work again? Uh, I don't know. Well, I can see $100 million going away. The amount of wealth and cachet that I've gained from this tweet is in perpetuity. It's infinite. So why am I doing this podcast? Because I do, I did start this podcast, to be completely honest, uh, to, you know, build a fan base, uh, you know, flex different creative muscles. But when you have a tweet that was successful and is, uh, was, (laughs) it's to use a past tense here because it is uh, as I said earlier, infinite, and that this tweet from yesterday is, um, it, it'll never stop. You know, to use past tense, uh, you know, like it, while referencing, and I'll even say it like a deity, you know, like God, you know, like it's, it's not, it's everlasting. Faith is everlasting for many, and this tweet is, uh, is everlasting for all. So, um, yeah, I, I don't even know why I would ever do stand-up again. I don't know why I would do another podcast again. I honestly, I think I need this platform to continue talking about it, to give, this is now a podcast uh, for complimentary material, and that's C-O-M-P-L-E-N-T-E-R-Y material for my Twitter account, which, and you know, it's a gift. It's a gift to all of us. Now, this podcast might be shorter because I do have to go Corvette shopping later. And I am going to get a Corvette since this tweet. A lot of big things are happening for me. I'm going to get a Corvette. Um, a lot of people, Mara Wilson, Matilda retweeted it, Paul Walter Hauser, uh, Emily Nussbaum, the, uh, the, the TV writer. A lot of people who are tastemakers. But this time they're not tastemakers because they're, 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 they're feeders. They're feeding off of my... My dish, <laughs> which is my tweet. So I am going to get a Corvette today. Uh, they, I, I, I said, I, I called them. I says, I said, I said, I called uh, the Chevy dealership, and I'm like, I'm fucking coming in. And they said, Who is this? And I said, You know who the fuck it is? It's the Twister guy. And they're like, Chubby Checker. And I said, No, Internet, Twitter. I'm coming in. I want a I want a fucking green Corvette, and they're like, we don't have those. I'm like, well, you better get to painting, because I'm coming in. And I'm getting one. I had a Mazda three. I drove that fucking piece of shit into the river this morning. I drove it right in, and when that air when it hit the water, when my car hit the water and that airbag hit my fucking face and broke my nose, I couldn't have cared less, because all I all I could think about. I was also looking at my Twitter while I was driving it into the into the into the river. 
Because if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out on top. And I'm not out. There's no taking me out. That's what I learned this morning. And now, the political section. Blake is really funny. Blake is really cool. Blah, 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 blah. Blake, Blake, Blake. Welcome to the political section. Now, this week, I want to address uh, name-calling and insults. And this was sparked by last week, uh, Dave Chappelle released a 27-minute special. I'm, like, so jealous. I can't even say it was a half an hour. It was he – didn't, he didn't quite – I wouldn't even call it special, a, a special per se. Uh, no, he released this amazing 27-minute um, uh, video where essentially he was uh, talking about the Black Lives Matter um, movement and George Floyd and um, his own personal struggles with police – and uh, it was it was amazing. If you haven't watched, I think it's called 846. Um, and it, uh, it was really, really, you know, it, it was incredible. And it just shows that he is the most skilled comedian I've ever seen. Like the most naturally talented person where the way that that guy, he, he literally grabs hold of the audience and doesn't let them go. And you are just in encapsulated in everything that he's saying and did i use that word correctly there's no way to know for sure so um that being uh, not even that being said it was incredible and during that special uh he called um laura ingraham ingram whatever the fuck her name is a cunt and oh sorry a uh, bad language warning <laughs> probably should have put that uh, ahead of there if there's any children listening good god i am so sorry and then he called uh candace owens a rotten bitch and it made me think of when is it okay to uh, f- to use name calling and uh, like on what scale of offensiveness does it go according to me? So this is my take on insults and uh, and name calling. So for those two, it is interesting. And what made me think about this is that nobody uh, had any problem with Chappelle using those words to describe those people because they're horrific people. But they are horrific people who happen to be women, and a man insulting a woman can be problematic. Not in this case, and I'm going to explain why. So, my general theory here is the least specific an insult is, is uh, means it's the least uh, insulting. So... Again, this is just my opinion. What for, for? So take it how it will. And that, that, by the way, goes for this the entire premise of this podcast. So if you don't understand the goddamn podcast by now, I can't fucking help you. Go read my tweet. So, um, the least specific an insult is, the least offensive is uh is my thought on it. Now, for instance, uh, calling someone an asshole, it's not gender specific. It's not race specific. It's just you're an asshole. You're a piece of shit. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, like, go fuck. You're a motherfucker. That, uh, those are not hurtful insults because you can apply it to any single group or any single individual. But as it gets more individualized, it's more offensive. So, for instance, calling someone a bitch is more offensive because it's for women. So a woman is a bitch, therefore it's more specific. So that makes it more offensive. So now you're taking out half of the population, but a bitch uh, isn't as bad as being called a racial slur because there's less of a given race than there is of a given gender. Does that make sense? So I'm going to go through these uh, one by one. So a bitch, I'm going to try to riff these and hopefully I don't get trouble. A bitch. Now, when he called Laura Ingraham a cunt 
that is more offensive than bitch because a cunt is like a more a cunt is referring to a part on a woman. Does that make sense? That's what makes it more offensive. It's more specific. Now, if he called Laura Ing- uh, Ingraham like a dog-faced cunt, now that's even more offensive because you're making fun of something physical on her. See where I'm going here? So when he called Candace Owen a rotten bitch, he was harsher to Laura Ingraham than he was to Candace Owen because a rotten bitch uh, the word rotten here doesn't even like really refer to any part of her. Like she's a decaying bitch. And the reason why I think he didn't catch uh, any flack for any of that is that he's right. So um, this is, and also when you're looking at the degree of an insult, you need to, uh, you need to see where, who it's coming from and what position of power that they're in. So in this case, it's interesting because Dave Chappelle is more famous than Laura Ingraham or Candace Owens. However, he is a black man and a black liberal man, and they are uh, conservative women. Therefore, they are in a more, a higher position of power because the conservative movement is more powerful than a black man's words, unfortunately. Does that make sense? So I think that's why here he's right in doing it. Now, on the other side, just so you know, I'm trying to be objective here. uh, Dave Chappelle on a previous special had a joke uh, about trans people. And that joke I fucking hated. I thought he was punching. It's called punching up, punching down. So there he was in the position of power uh, socially and he was uh, denigrating a group that had less power than him, and that was innocent as well. Innocent group. These people uh, were assigned, you know, like assigned the wrong gender by society, and uh, that's not how they identify. So they want to identify as a different gender, and by want doesn't. Uh, I'm not saying it's a choice. They uh, they are compelled to naturally to be uh, a different gender. So. For him to just attack them like that from a higher place of power, that was bad, and uh, that made me a little sick. Um, I think that's all. Those are so uh, punching down. Got that. Got that. Yeah, yeah. So I think you need to always look at where is it coming from. What position of power is the insulter in? What position of power is the insulted in? And then that's how you decide whether or not uh, something is offensive. So there it is. Is it offensive that I'm telling you how to be offended? (laughs) Did I mention I have a very popular tweet? Now we're going to go to the relationship section, which... Very special moment, our first mailbag on the podcast, all right? We will be right back. Blake is really funny. Blake is really cool. Blah, 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 blah. Blake, Blake, Blake. Ah, welcome to the... It's Valentine's Day every day on Blake's Takes, for God's sakes, and this day is no different. So I'm going to... I put out a little request on Instagram. Ah, fuck. Instagram, God damn it, on Instagram, a lesser platform than Twitter. Again, go to twitter.com slash Blake Wexler. By the way, that's what happened when the uh, Corvette dealership uh, asked, tried to do a credit check on me because, again, I am getting a Corvette because of my tweet today. They were like, hey, Blake, we need to run a credit uh, report on you. Can you send us um, your, your checking account number? 
And what I sent back to them was um, twitter.com slash Blake Wexler. And, I, uh, and then I just wrote said, period, S-A-I-D. And I haven't heard anything back from him, so I'm assuming I'm pre, uh, pre-approved. So this is the first question that I got uh, from the uh, the relationship question mailbag. And I'm not going to say anybody's name because I didn't ask uh, if they wanted me to. Um, so for privacy reasons, I'm not going to read people's names. Also, I don't have them in front of me. So first question for the relationship mailbag. As a single person during COVID times, when, if ever, is it okay to get physical sexy time with someone I have been socially distanced dating? This is a very, I feel like this is one of the most common questions that I got. And, and uh, by, by the way, if you think I'm not loving giving relationship advice right now, you're out of your mind. Easily the highlight of the podcast so far for me is this section. All right. So this is probably the most common question. And it's all about trust. And honestly, you uh, you can't. Well, here's the thing. If you're going to find out pretty quickly if this is someone that you're going to want to be with, uh, because the risk here, it's not just an emotional risk like it usually is, you know, when you sleep with someone or get a uh, sexy time with them. This is actually a health risk as well. So I guess the good news here is that uh, if you hook up with this person and they get you sick, you can't trust them and fuck them. They're out the door. The decision has been made very, very easy for you. So as a single person, uh, social distance dating, you really got to put them through the ringer. All right. And I wouldn't even be. So here's what you do. If you're FaceTiming with this person, is this is how you're, you've been socially distance dating. Um, I would find like if you have a basement, go in your basement, bring your phone and set up one of the, you know, those light bulbs that hang from like a wire from the ceiling. You know what I mean? And you and you pull the chain and they switch on. That's what I would do. So I would set up like a faux interrogation style room and question your potential sexual partner. So they'll call you and then like they just see darkness, right? When you answer and they're like, hello, where, where are you, sweetie? And then you hear the chain clink and then just the light turns on. And you go, I have some fucking questions to ask you. Don't say hello. Open with, I have some fucking questions to ask you. And they might be like, oh, you're acting weird. And you're like, you have no idea. So you ask them, so what have you been doing? You know, and actually, you know what? save this. This is the second step. The first step, just see over the course of like a couple days, uh, ask them what they've been up to. Okay. Be like, Hey, what'd you do today? Oh, you know, I went to work. Where's your desk? Oh, you know, it's like in the corner. How many, who's your closest person? Did you drink, did you drink out of the coffee pot today? The, the communal coffee pot, or did you go to Starbucks? How many people were in line? I need you to assess your risk. Cause this is all risk assessment. Then, if they're not giving you the specific answers that you need, that's when you do the interrogation thing, okay? And you know what? If you've been socially distanced, so if you've been seeing them in person, even better, f- find a garage. Any garage in your... There are tons... If, if there's one thing that like is good about the United States right now, it's the excess of garages. Even... No, no, a parking lot's too public. It needs to be private. So get a gar- find a garage. Bring them in there, and once they walk in, or a storage container, a large uh, storage container at like a port. A port's even better. If there's shipping or heavy machinery, you know, going around like that, the, that fucking weird white season of the wire, great. Bring them in there, lock the door, have a chair, comfy. Okay, don't I mean, actually do scare them, but don't actually put them in any danger. Definitely scare them. And then 
say, I have some question to ask you. And that's when you interrogate them from over six feet away. Um, you can play good cop, bad cop with them, but you need to really assess if they've been mature and uh, with their with their decisions, if they've been discerning. So that's how you do it. Okay. So when, if ever, it can be okay, but you really, uh, you, you got to do an FBI level uh, series of questioning for them. Next. Next question. This is probably my favorite question of the entire thing. Do I have to follow my partner on all social platforms? <laughs> Do I have to follow my partner on all social platforms? Uh, I believe the answer is yes. Now, does that mean, God, can you imagine? Okay, so here, this is a little tricky. All right, so uh, the answer is yes, because if you don't, that's going to cause relationship issues. Now, if you don't follow them on all social platforms, that probably means they're super annoying on one of them. And if they're super annoying on one of them, you need to decide whether or not that's something worth bringing up. Is it just annoying to you? Or are you like, shit, this is a bad look. This could affect their other relationships, their friendships, career-wise. I need to bring this up to them. So that's pretty tricky. Um, But if not, if you're just pissed off by it, mute them. But here's the tricky thing about muting them is that if they, hey, did you see my post today? And you go, oh, no. And that's kind of tricky because, like, why aren't you looking at their post? Then I, if, if I said that, I'm like, oh, no, I haven't seen it. Well, they would be like, oh, well, why haven't you seen it? I'd be like, oh, well, you know, like, we, we live together. Like, I just figured you'd, you'd tell me. And if they're like, well, I really need you to start looking at my post, that's when you need to have a conversation. Because if social media is that important to them, that fucker's got to go. Man or woman or anything. All right? So do I have to follow my partner on social uh, social platforms? Yes, if they're being annoying on there. Because some people are different people on social platforms than they are in person, you know? Like, I know this guy who sucks on social media. He's mean. He comments on everything, just shitty fucking comments. And then in, I haven't seen him in years. And then I saw him, like, recently, you know, like, before all this shit happened. And I saw him, oh, my God, this fucking guy, fucking guy. And he comes up. And I was like, hey, man. And he was delightful. And it's like, oh, right. Some people are different on social media. By the way, I just saw, I have this little shelf here. And I just saw my girlfriend use two different screws to, uh, to screw the thing into the wall. And it's, uh, I, I, I might have a fucking heart attack. It's so distracting. I may actually have to stop doing the podcast. It's so distracting. One is a large bulbous screw. And the other is a flathead. By the way, a flathead, no, a square head, I believe, is a derogatory term for a Swedish person. And we'll be right back. No, okay, okay. So, uh, yes, you do have to follow your fucking partner on all social platforms. And if they're that annoying, we, we got we to gotta do this. Okay, next question. Do you have any advice? And by the way, if you could please call me Mr. Wexler. Uh, <laughs> what, you're, what you're asking me, actually just addressing me at all. I do prefer Mr. Wexler, okay? Um, even if you know me personally, I would much, if you know me personally, I would much prefer uh, Mr. Wexler. Um, so I'm gonna, just going to add that uh, in here. Mr. Wexler, do you have any advice for people who are planning on getting married this summer but have now had to postpone indefinitely? Is an online wedding better than no wedding? Or would you just wait until after shelter in place or some kind of combination of the two? This is an excellent question. So my uh, somebody once told me uh, the world is going to troll me. And that's a reference to social media. God damn it. I'm fucking talented. So when I said Dave Chappelle was the most talented comedian, I was wrong. It's me. So 
Um, the I've seen two ways of doing this that I actually really like. So I know one couple that just uh, they didn't suspend indefinitely. They set a uh, a wedding date a year from their wedding. So if they were supposed to get married in let's say May, they're now doing May of twenty twenty one. And I think a year, so it's basically like even on the long shot of a vaccine happening, there a vaccine will be in place by that time. So that's honestly what I would do is that for the proper like reception um, ceremony, I would still have a, and this is just me talking, like obviously money's a factor too, but I would still have that date set, but like a year from now, you know, and then uh, what my other friends did, which I really love, and I talked about this on a previous podcast, is that they had a very small ceremony like in their backyard where they had the priest that they knew it was a family priest and everyone was social distance and they got married just with a select like 10 people like their parents, um, relatives, and uh, it was fucking beautiful. So that's what I would do. I would have the meaningful ceremony, be married on paper, be married, you know, like with your close ones there to witness and, you know, like make sure they've been social distancing, just people that you trust where it's like, okay, I know my mom isn't going to go out and like do a line of blow off a fucking bar in Austin, Texas. All right. They'll, everyone will be safe because it means this much to me, people that mean a lot to you. And it's not a big ask. For you to ask that. If, if I had a best friend who was like, hey, man, don't do anything for two weeks. I want to get married and I want you to be there. I would do that in a second. So that's what I would do. I would have a very small thing with your family. Uh, get married, you know, in a safe place, social distance. And then to have everybody else there uh, delay for a year. So that's that's how I would do it. Uh, next question. It's also similarly uh, thoughtful, you know, similarly emotional. Um, but what if the dick too thick? Great question. So. If the dick is too thick, you gotta. You, you, it's not an option. If the dick is too thick, it's you have to leave it. Because here's the thing: uh, it's 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 not a thing that you can really edit around. You know, if if this dick is that unwieldy, it's it's not just um, unsettling emotionally. It's a fucking health concern. So if the dick too thick, you'll know, you'll know immediately. You'll see it and you'll be like, I'm 99.9% sure the dick too thick. And if it is, you just, here's what you do, all right? If the dick too thick, once it hits the floor in your place, because it's, I don't know if you have carpeting. This actually might be one of the few times that carpeting is better than hardwood. If the dick hits carpeting, because it it might dent the floor underneath the carpeting, but the carpeting will still, you know, hold the general shape of your floor. However, if the dick too thick and it hit hardwood, what what is that in damage like that's a that's like two thousand dollars in fucking damages what kind of renter's insurance does renter's insurance cover a 16 pound dick that goes through your floor i don't know i don't know call state farm and that was a sponsored that that is that was a sponsored uh statement uh that's that sentence was uh brought to you by state farm is it possible to love my girlfriend too much that was the next question <sighs> yes it is once these women get their hooks into you. No, I'm kidding. Um, is it possible to love my girlfriend too much? Uh, I think it is because you need to look out for your own happiness as well. Now, some people will make too much of a sacrifice and uh, sacrifice their own happiness 
for the happiness of the other. I've, I've done that in the past. What you need to do is a balance. Make your partner as happy as fucking possible and then make sure that it's not affecting you in a negative way. If it's like a slight inconvenience, that's totally fine. If it's actually like, you know, um, I've been doing all the dishes and I've been washing them so hard, I don't have fingerprints anymore. And I tried to go to the post office to get a passport and they wouldn't give one to me because they couldn't get my fingerprint. And now I can't travel internationally. So love your partner till the end of time unless uh, it's affecting, affecting you negatively. All right? This was more serious than I thought it would be. How does one advise a partner? This is the last question. How does one advise a partner to kiss better slash more fully and less like an 11-year-old? Not that I knew an 11-year-old's kiss when I was 11 or more importantly now. Great distinction. So how do I advise a partner? So generally, I think you need to be very open with your partner about what you need sexually. So if your partner is perfect, but they kiss like an 11-year-old boy or girl, then you can't have that because then you start dreading kissing them and you'll never... like Kissing, I feel like, is the biggest sign of affection maybe cuddling i guess first or the most commonly used in a relationship how funny would it be if like all right uh i I would imagine the the way that me and my partner are most affectionate with one another i would say number one is kissing two anal sex three i would probably go with cuddling like we uh ass fuck (laughs) more than we cuddle oh boy is this has this segment gone awry awry it's also gone uh sideways sorry i just saw a loaf of rye bread in the corner, and that's why I said a r y e. Fuck, fuck a rye bread. So, I would tell them, "Hey, uh, this is how I like it. This isn't what other boyfriends or girlfriends or partners have given me. This is what I want. Can you do this?" And then they're gonna fuck up for a while. All right, if they're kissing like a like a preteen, maybe they just need more. And by the way, this uh, segment, this person is a legal adult. Uh, everyone's legal adults in the segment. Um, I would, all these people are 40 years old. So yeah, I would kiss them. Just tell them what you want. Practice. You know what you want you to do? I would have them, you know how like, uh, I've never seen this, but in a healthcare class, they would like put uh, condoms over bananas. I would do that, but I would have your partner make out what kind of fruit would it be? Uh, is most like a human head. And that's a, a pineapple. If it's someone, okay. If you're a guy with a beard, and your partner uh, wants is kissing like shit. Give them a pineapple, all right? Because the 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 rough of the pine will fucking. I sound like such an idiot right now. The spikes coming off this fruit will um, uh, imitate a beard. So you want it to be as authentic as possible. Now, if you're a smooth face doll face, give them um, uh, what type of melon? Like a, maybe a watermelon, but hollow out. The, oh, this is going to be complicated. All right. Hollow out. You want it to be about the same weight as a human head. So hollow out enough of the watermelon so um, it's it's not like heavier than a head, but still leave some of the junk in there so there's something for them to, to make out with. Does that make sense? Of course it does. And then I'm trying to think if there's any, if you have a very small head. Oh, oh God. Like a, what, what material would like a kiwi be? If you're 18 and you haven't like really grown facial hair yet, or maybe you just have a lot of like fucking peach fuzz on your goddamn face, give them a fucking kiwi. Glue, if you're not, glue, if you still have a big head though, 
glue, glue, glue who, glue four kiwis together and have your partner French that fucking fruit. Next, next section. God, I was trying to actually, uh, in real time, just to take you behind the behind the entertainment curtain right now. I'm like, okay, this was a ridiculous segment. I would rather have like a kind of a tighter segment next, but none of these seg- all these segments are weird this week. So next segment, sports. Blake is really funny. Blake is really cool. Blah 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 blah. Blake, Blake, Blake. For sports this week, I'm going to give my take on what. I think the sport of field hockey is uh, without researching it or without knowing any of the positions. I'm going to give you my take on what I think that sport is. Okay. So let's start with, uh, so here's, here's how I imagine the game is set up. I imagine field hockey is set up a little bit like, like soccer in terms of positions. So you have like 11 ish players on the field, and uh, equipment-wise, I believe they have like a face, like like face shields, like a cage. You know what I mean? That cover their eyes, right? Or like a lacrosse lacrosse people wear, like you know, not like a football helmet, because that's only like a couple bars. I think it's like a straight-up cage, right? And they wear a light helmet. Like the head, what's being protected is like the facial features, not um, not the brain. Does that make sense? Uniforms, I picture it's some sort of like dress or like a jersey and a skirt. Um, I imagine, so one player is the captain and they get the largest staff. You know, like I don't, I, I know they're like, maybe they're called sticks, but to me they're staffs because like they kind of have, you know how like with a cane you would walk and you have the handle, flip it around and the handle is actually what they use to hit the uh, the ball with. I do think it's a ball, and the ball is made of compacted glass. So picture like a marble, like a very large marble, probably about the size of like an accountant's fist. All right, so that's what I picture the uh, the ball is like, like an account, like just you know, an assistant accountant, not a full accountant because they're you know like their hands have built up some calluses over the years just a a young accountant's fist that's the size almost like a snow globe maybe that's what maybe it is a clear so so what goes in the ball which i haven't thought about yet um perhaps a fortune and the winning team they get the key to unlock the ball and they get to read a a very a startlingly accurate fortune all right uh, I also believe in terms of equipment, they have a dagger. Uh, all the players have a dagger on them that's purely ceremonial. It's not going to be used in a fight in any way. You know, it's like kind of like how kings would walk around with swords. You know, it's it's decorative. Um, I believe it's p- played on grass. I think that's fairly obvious. Uh, referees, I picture them wearing a similar outfit where you have like a jersey and then like a dress, but it's more of a traditional Scottish kilt. So you have, it's airy, you know, like, I don't know how aerodynamic it would be to run around up and down the field, but referees, they don't have to run as much as the players. So I think it's a traditional, flowy, plaid, gorgeous Irish kilt. Um, next, instead of a whistle, I think that that ref in the kilt just fires a startle, a, a, a startle pistol, not a starter pistol, okay? And, and that's not what I was going to say. I didn't misspeak. I am, that's what I was going to say originally, a startle pistol, in that it's like a pistol, but it lets out like a scream, like, ah, like every single time. 
every single time there's a, uh, a like where a, a play would be stopped or there's a foul or a goal. It's oh! like every single time. Um, I believe halftime takes place in an air conditioned tent, like the great British baking show. And, uh, except great British baking show. We've been watching the shit out of that. They don't air condition the tent. All right. It's not air conditioned. The cakes are melting. The fucking chocolate, the sugar work is a mess on that show because for some reason, Netflix and PBS refuse to uh, put air conditioning in the tent. And I don't know if it enhances the show or detracts from it, but it is there. However, in field hockey, they learned, they learned that you need to put air conditioning in the halftime tent. Now let's get into positions. Okay. What uh the positions again, I believe like soccer, so I'm gonna go um what the soccer position would be and then add uh what the name of it is for field hockey. And again, I don't I don't know anything about this sport that might might surprise you. This is just how I see it being. Uh the goalie, because you have to protect the goal from the glass ball going in, is called the bird. So in goal you have a bird. And the bird protects the nest. So that's where they still call it a goal, but that's how, you know, this this game, who the fuck knows where it started. So they call it the bird. The bird protects the nest. Next, you have fullbacks, which I believe are the players off to the side who run up and down. And, uh, you know, these players in field hockey are called the punks, P-U-N-K-S. You've, and, and it's not like soccer where you have a left punk and a right punk. In field hockey, you have an east punk and a west punk, okay, because they use geographical directions. Because, again, to me, uh, field hockey is a very ancient sport. Uh, the striker is called the Rommel, okay, because in soccer, you have a striker. They score the goals. So the Rommel, uh, and by the way, the Rommel, um, everybody knows that field hockey, in my mind, has um, was created by Germans, right? near and you know the the roots go back obviously to the ancient times kings queens but it was rebranded in the 40s in nazi germany and so they were big fans of edwin rommel the desert fox who was a tank commander in africa and that when that son of a bitch when that nazi fuck would get his eyes on a british target he struck quick so that's why they call uh the striker the rommel and the rommel scores most of the goals um into the nest, past the bird. So now we have forwards, and the forwards, and this is interesting because field hockey takes its roots from many different eras. And this, this, the strikers, I'm sorry, the forwards nowadays are called the Sanderson sisters because they make things happen. They're, they're witches, all right? And they, they conjure up these goals, they conjure up plays and passes, and a, uh, an assist. Okay, an assist is called a black flame candle. So this uh, this this woman had six black flame candles so far through the season, which I think is very very impressive. Um, next, the midfielders, and those are called lease breakers because those people they don't give a shit. All right, their credit is bad, but they'll do anything they need to do to get out of a bad situation, all right? So they'll break a lease. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how I see uh, field hockey. And I think I'm 99% spot on there. All right, now we're going to move into the final section of the podcast this week. Leisure. Blake is really funny. Blake is really cool. Blah, 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 blah. Blake, Blake, Blake. All right, and now we're into everybody's favorite segment on Blake's Takes, for God's sakes, the leisure section. Now, this week, uh, my take on leisure is that 
the volume settings on TVs are, are fucking insane. They're insane. They're they're uneven. What is happening? What is why is everything at a dis, at a different volume? Do you know what I'm talking about? You watch a show. All right, say I'm watching a show. Even if you have like traditional cable, you go from you're watching a TV show and then a goddamn fucking progressive commercial comes on and its flow is like like it's loud as shit. Why is it so loud? And then we have a TV where you know you have to do the volume and every time I like go up or down the volume goes Like, it makes some sort of fucking noise. So that noise is annoying. And you know, we have neighbors. We have down... If you live in an apartment building, you're going to get a goddamn noise complaint because commercials are 10 times louder than TV shows. Now, something... what A bill was introduced, I believe, like five or six years ago to make it... You know, they have to be within 20% of the actual show in terms of volume. It never happened. It's so loud. And then you go on apps... You know, like Netflix or Hulu, and you go from show to show, and their 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 volumes are all different. Some volumes are very very low. I watch. I'm 31 years old. I have to watch every single show with subtitles. Do you think I like that? And it's not just because we're watching a show that's British and you can't understand what the hell they're saying, even though they're speaking the same language as you. Everything is a different volume. It needs to stop. I've had enough. I'm sick of noise complaints. Oh, and if you're watching a fucking movie, you know, you have an emotional scene. You know, if it's a drama where you're like, I love my son so much and you're my, you're a good boy. And if, if, if I could do anything, it would be to, to spend more time with you as you were growing older. And then there's just like a scene of machine gun fire right after that. It'll blow your head off. The volume will blow your head off. We watched Five Bloods the other night, which was incredible. That movie was so good. But you have like like whisper quiet time, and then just there's explosions and shit. And it's like, I can't enjoy this movie. The, the volumes are too different. If I ran for president, I would change all the fucking volumes on TVs. That's all, and that's all I would do, and then I would retire, or I would resign. I'd be like, my work here is done. Fuck you. I can hear well. I'm going to go watch some TV and actually enjoy myself for once. And now we're going to go in for the close. Blake is really funny. Blake is really cool. Blah, 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 blah. Blake, Blake, Blake. And as we bring this week's episode to an end, I just want to thank real quick the patrons. <laughs> Michael Morgan. I hope I got his name right this time. I did. And I uh, also want to thank Paul Garaventa and also Kelly Shapiro for uh, being patrons of the podcast. You will get a proper special hello next week. Also, um, speaking of the Patreon, I have uh, every Friday... I'm uploading um, the Blaking News jokes for the week, topical jokes. And uh, if you want that, you can donate anywhere between $1 and whatever the hell you want each week. And I post those on Patreon every Friday. Also, I'm going to thank the reviewer of the week. And we do need more reviews, baby. Yeah. I can't stop quoting Austin Powers, and it's a problem, (laughs) said the worst comedian. Uh, This is from Pete Abides. Abides? Pete Abides. Pete Abides. The title of the review is Blake's Takes Make Drake Shake. Fuck yes. I still don't personally understand how the technology delivers Blake's takes and his leg flexes via one audio file. It's very expensive. But somehow it does. And I'm filled with envy on a weekly basis because of my puny pencil legs. 
This show is tremendous, not only because of the sensible takes, but also the total nonsense that comes between them. I drove two hours to see Blake Wexler once, and this show makes it much easier to laugh at him without the drive. And the legs, like Dwayne Johnson's arms, but his legs. Close your eyes. Do you see it? It's grotesque and beautiful. You'll want to draw them just to make them your own in some way. Five stars. Thank you so much, Pete. I really appreciate it. You're right. And by the way, don't don't be so harsh about your legs. Just think of them as pelvic arms, and you'll feel a little bit better. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, Black Lives Matter. Donate to those charities in or, uh, in those organizations in my bio. And uh, let's see. I'm hosting Quizzo, everybody. Virtual Quizzo. I'll put a link to that where you can sign up. It's like 35 bucks. Part of the money goes to charity. And um, I will host a Quizzo session for you and your friends on Zoom. All right? That's it. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys. And I will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Blake Wexler, Blake, Blake, Blake Wexler, Blake Wexler.